you know, the reward of making your dream come true, it really far outweighs like the struggles that you have to get there. You know, I mean, of course, there's going to be challenges and struggles and, you know, moving to a new country or whatever your dream is, it's, there's going to be, you know, challenges, but living your dream and making it come true, it's just so worth it. Like once you're doing it, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, so. Hi, and welcome to An Unknown Adventure. I'm your host, Kimberly Ann. Each week, I'll either be talking to you or interviewing someone about one or more of three exciting topics, achieving your dreams, no matter how old, young, or infirm you are, minimalism, and unconventional travel. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I wanted to give everyone a little update on what's been going on here. I have not been able to post a podcast for I think two weeks now and that is because I got very very sick from the COVID vaccine the second COVID vaccine and I'm I'm not completely sure but I'm pretty sure that what happened to me is pretty pretty abnormal it's not the usual and I wanted to talk about it a little bit and then also give a van update It took me five days to get over the vaccine issues that I had, the post-vaccine issues, and what those were, were the night of the vaccine, and it was my second vaccine, like I said before, but the night that I got it, I had the, you know, regular symptoms, fever, chills, body aches, and I slept through the night on... It was a Thursday that I got the shot, and so I slept through Thursday night. I didn't feel well on Friday. I felt like fluey, achy symptoms. I also felt some chest pain. Yeah, like uh, I felt I felt tr- chest pressure, like someone was sitting on my chest, but I also felt um, a discomfort and pain in my chest. And so I stayed in bed all day Friday. I had a fever of 101. And then I still felt sick. And so I slept through the night on Friday night. And apparently what happened was I slept so soundly and in a weird position. And because of the inflammation that the vaccine causes and because my body was out of whack already, my back went into spasm. My low back went into spasm. And I, I'm still dealing with that. It's been five days I mean, not, it's been like four days since my back went into spasm and it still is, the pain's still there. It's pretty sharp and it's constant, but it's better. And then the other thing that happened to me was I developed something called ice pick headaches, which are exactly what they sound like. And that was constant. Uh, It felt like a stabbing, really, really severe stabbing pain in my head every 10 seconds. And that went on for several days. The only thing that helped it was Tylenol. So then my, uh, I was suffering. I couldn't walk uh, because of my back. I couldn't actually walk, sit down, stand or lay down without a severe pain. It was like on a scale of one to 10, it was an eight. 
And for me, that's pretty high. Uh, 10 is when I'm screaming in the hospital. So it was for me, it was pretty severe, pretty high amount of pain. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't cook. I couldn't stand. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. And then they uh, some workmen drilled through my water uh, pipe. And so I also had no running water, which when uh, during severe back pain and ice pick headaches was made it near impossible for me to like, you know, go and try to fill up a water jug, you know, a block away and then carry it home. And um, it was just really, 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 really bad for a, a few days for me. And I went to a very, very dark place. I'm not going to lie. It was, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into <laughs> the uh, exact uh, thought pattern, but I'll tell you, it was scary. It was really, really, really scary. And I didn't have any, um, any help uh, from anyone. And I didn't have, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm a victim, poor me, but it was just really interesting. I, I had always, yeah, I've always thought that I had a pretty good core support group of friends and uh, several of them just never even checked up on me. They knew that I was getting the vaccine and they never checked to see if I was okay, even though they I talked to them both beforehand and they knew that, you know, that that the vaccine, second vaccine usually has some pretty negative symptoms Um so I, I felt really alone during this time and I'm sure that people who have dealt with depression or anxiety or anything really major know that it's really hard to reach out to anyone when you're in that state. And so I couldn't, I just couldn't reach out. And then the more days that went by and the you know people that I had thought were my core support group just never checked in on me, the darker the darker it got for me and in the end I had two good friends that were checking in on me and uh, unfortunately they were too far away to do anything they couldn't help but at least I knew that they cared which at that point when you don't think anyone cares is really 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 important and so I'm I'm saying this because I think that it's important for all of us to realize that even though we may be going through a lot of stuff like all the time because we all are that it's still important to reach out to people that you love and check on them and make sure that they're okay and that for me honestly would have made a world of difference in this really dark dark moment which lasted days so I don't want to go on and on about that I just think that it really showed me who my friends are and who really cares and who can really be there for me and who can't. And, you know, that's life. Not everybody can be there all the time. And I totally get that. And I totally understand that. And I just wish that there had been an, an apology, an acknowledgement, but there wasn't. And that's okay, too, because I can't control other people or how they act or respond or anything. So I think that the really bottom line for me is that community, and I'm writing a blog about this, is, you know, the people in my life that care and are there emotionally and want to go deep, want to get philosophical. That's really important for me. So, 
you know, I learned a lot and I came out of it and I'm stronger for it. And now the van update is that the van went to the builders last week and now we're trying to figure out together the final build. And so I'm excited. Um, They're running about six weeks behind. So instead of leaving at the beginning of June, I won't be leaving until July or maybe even August, which means I have to work until then at my day job. And I'm just trying to embrace that. So now it's time to talk to Jen, who is amazing. We, well, we talk about how we met, but she's a friend of mine and she lives as an expat full-time in Cambodia. Enjoy the show. If you can introduce yourself and then tell us where you are right now, please. So I'm Jennifer Novak. I am an expat living in Cambodia right now in a town called Kampot. And um, I'm an online English teacher currently. And But you, you weren't always. No, I was formerly <laughs> an acupuncturist herbalist in Northern California. And that's how we met at school. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But you graduated before me. Um, I don't know. I graduated in 2003. Yeah, I graduated in 2009. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I took a long track. And then, so I was, I was actually wondering, I was like, did we meet in school because we went to the same school or did we meet with Jean Hayner? I think we reconnected with Jean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I know. That was fun. Yeah. So how did you end up in Cambodia? So we actually, we moved to Thailand in 2019, in January of 2019. And we were there for a year and about three months. And then we ended up coming to Cambodia earlier this year in March. We left Thailand because they have a burning season you know, they burn the forests and it gets really, really bad. And I mean, it's not just a couple of weeks. It's like months. Ugh. And yeah, it's really sad of poor, really, really poor air quality. I mean, there were some days where it's the worst in the world. I mean, it's just pretty unbearable. Yeah. So um, we left in March and we came here and we kind of just came here. Well, one, I had always wanted to see Angkor Wat. So we said, we'll come here, see that. And then some friends had recommended this town called Kampot. And so we just headed here kind of sight unseen, not knowing really a whole lot about it. (laughs) Yeah. But we've ended up really liking it. So we were here for three months in March, April and May of this year. And then we actually went back to the States for the summer because I don't know, we just kind of thought, We wanted to see family and friends and we had um, some things we wanted to do, but then we got back here in November. So we've been here since November. Yeah. And what are your plans? Well, I mean, our plans are to just kind of be here for a while. We've um, gotten a one year visa here so we can stay for a year and, you know, we're kind of just going to be here kind of maybe ride out the COVID thing, see how that all turns out. But for now, we're happy here. So, yeah. And you, are you both working? Yeah, we're both working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm teaching online. And Gabe is a 
he was a fitness coach. Ah. Yeah, he was a CrossFit coach. So he has some clients that he still does online training with. And then he actually was an English teacher as well, ESL teacher way back. And so he might actually do that as well here. So. And are you doing it that in person or online? Mine, I'm doing online. It's all online. Kids in China. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's not necessarily lo local. Yeah. No, no. Mm -hmm. Although there are some schools here in town that, that I said that Gabe was thinking of going to to teach at. So we'll see. I used so I have my I actually have it right here. My TEFL certificate. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, many hats. So yeah, I used to be. Yeah. When I was married, the plan was to go to Japan and teach in Japan. And my ex-husband was lived in Japan for many years and was basically a Japanophile. So mm. he wanted to go back. And so I got my TEFL certificate and started teaching English in San Francisco. And I taught at, at several schools. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And yeah, we didn't end up going to Japan, but I taught for years and it was, I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, do you miss acupuncture? I know I asked you that online, but. <laughs> I do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't do it as much as I was doing before, but I do, you know, miss connecting with people in that way and, you know, just being able to help people. I've done a t tiny bit here so far. I haven't really like promoted it or anything, but I was thinking about just putting it up on a Facebook group saying, hey, I'm here if anybody needs it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, why not, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I guess there was an acupuncturist and I believe she was from the States here before. And I guess she knows she had a good clientele, but she's, I think, gone back to the States. So I guess a few people have said there's a need. So yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just need needles. Have needles, we'll travel. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and needles are pretty light. That's a good thing. <laughs> they are. They are. So you left the Bay Area to move to New Mexico first. Um, no, actually, we went straight to Thailand. Mm -hmm. We were just in New... We had bought land in New Mexico back in like 2016, but we had act never actually moved there. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were just there this summer. That was kind of our first time like being on the land and, you know, for a significant amount of time. But um, yeah, we left from Napa to Thailand in 2019. Oh. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how did you pick Thailand? We had been going to Thailand for many, many years, since 2003. Oh, wow. We went there and we kind of like fell in love with it. And so we were going there every year or every other year. Gabe was teaching English there in 2005 for a few years. So and then we went there. I mean, we just went there all the time. It was kind of our place. <laughs> and, you know, it's really interesting because Chiang Mai, Thailand is kind of one of the main digital nomad like places, you know, like, so I mean, it was kind of perfect for us. We're like, this is our home, second home. Anyway, let's just go. <laughs> so it was kind of perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you should go. You, you would love it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been to China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
but they've never been Thailand or Cambodia or Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taiwan. I mean, there's all these places that I'm like, really want to go. I know. I know. I know. There's so much to explore. <laughs> do you feel like, an, like you're a nomad? Would you, would you say that? Or do you settle in different places? Like how does that present? Yeah. I feel like we prefer to settle, you know, I mean, I do love to travel and see new places, but I prefer to, you know, either be like a slow traveler or if we find a place we like, just stay, you know, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a true nomad that like moves you know, every month or a couple months all the time, I, I wouldn't consider myself that. But you would consider yourself a minimalist, right? At this, especially at this point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can't really be traveling with a whole bunch of stuff. That's just a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys do? Do you have a storage in the States or no? Yeah, we do have a storage in the States. Yeah, we're, we really want to get rid of that. But for now, it's there. And, you know, we'll just deal with it when we get back. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. How much do you travel with? Um, I travel with I have a 38 liter backpack. That's my carry on. And then I do have one rolly like medium sized suitcase. I mean, because you know, we were moving here. I knew we were going to, you know, be at least a year or more. So it was like, I couldn't just do one backpack. I prefer, I would have preferred to, but I had some stuff I wanted to bring. So (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do? Like, do you buy things there or do you? Yeah, we just buy stuff here, whatever we need. We can, I mean, Cambodia is a little different than Thailand. Thailand, it's really easy to get stuff. And if they don't have it in stores, it's really easy to buy stuff online. Here, I'm still trying to figure that out. They don't have as much in the stores. And like, we're in a smaller town. We're not in the capital, Phnom Penh or anything. So they don't have as much. And the online ordering thing is a little weird still. I haven't totally figured that out. So yeah, you know, there are certain things if you want to have with you, you you bring ahead of time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But then wherever you rent, there's like dishes and pots and pans. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. Every place here. Yeah, you can buy. I mean, you can rent furnished. Yeah, has everything pretty much move in. Yeah, move in ready. Wow. Yeah, that makes it easy. And what is the price difference between like where I live and where you where you're renting? <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) It's pretty huge. Um, (laughs) You can get here in Kampad, you can get a two bedroom house with two bathrooms for about 300, 350 a month. What? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievably yeah it's really yeah and um i mean you could get a one bedroom for 180 200 a month i mean it's really really affordable here you know you do have some you have your electricity you have if you want to have a motorbike to get around town you know other expenses of course food and everything but living is pretty cheap here wow yeah yeah, my place is super cheap and it's, you know, I yeah, almost two grand a month. So oh <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I know, Bay Area prices, man. That's just uh, <laughs> And how how are things there with COVID? Like actually, this is like one of the safest places in the world to be. I mean, yeah, there's literally I I don't even know if they've hit four hundred cases yet. They might have, but Oh nice. Yeah. I mean it's it's minimal. I mean they've they've done a pretty good job, really good job of, you know, containing it. I mean this last time when we came in November, we had to do a two-week quarantine, but it's fine. You know, we got through it. <laughs> so Yeah, I was gonna ask, do you have to stay in a hotel for those two weeks? Yeah, yeah, you have to stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're allowing Americans. Yes, I know. I know. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of places aren't. I know. I know. And I don't blame them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, it's relaxed here. I mean, you know, you have the hand sanitizer at the shops and people wear masks. I mean, not everyone, but people wear masks in Asia in general, just because yeah it's part of our the culture so and here um it's kind of dusty they have like they have dust dirt roads and stuff and it's pretty windy right now so the dirt in the air so people wear masks just anyways so i know I, it was so funny because before we were all wearing masks everybody would like look at people that were wearing masks like they were weird i know yeah <laughs> But no, this is a good thing. <laughs> Simple, easy, yeah. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it helps it saves other people. Hello. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at it as your dream, was it was that was this your dream? Like what was like what was your dream? Yeah. I mean, our dream, my husband Gabe and I that was one of the things that we connected on pretty strongly when we first started dating was we wanted to live overseas. I mean, we both had that. I mean, actually, I grew up living overseas. So for me, it was kind of always something I wanted to do. I mean, I spent the first 10 years of my life as an expat. So I knew that I wanted to do that again. It was a you know great experience. And I really wanted to do that. So like I said, yeah, it was always our dream. And we got together in 2003. And like I said, he got a job teaching English in Chiang Mai in 2005. So that was our first time moving there. So and now we're doing it again. <laughs> and how long were you there the first time? The first time, well, he got a contract for a year. I actually ended up only staying six months. I didn't have enough money saved. And then <laughs> my family was really kind of pressuring me to come back. They weren't thrilled on that idea of me living there. <laughs> I had my acupuncture degree and license and, you know, they were kind of pressuring me. Why don't you come back and do that? And I guess I kind of wanted to as well. So I moved back and we kind of did the long distance thing because he actually ended up staying for about three years in Chiang Mai. Wow. Yeah. So we were doing the long distance and I was going to see him every three months or he would come to see me. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Wow. That's hard. I know. It was hard. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of years, but then he moved back to Napa with me and we were there for a while <laughs> until 2019. So yeah, because I was building. But still traveling. 
Yeah, still traveling, still going, yeah, visiting every year. And do you go other places or was it really like focused on Thailand? Yeah, it was pretty much focused on Thailand. I mean, in um, 2017, we went to Colombia because we decided, yeah, we decided to try something different. <laughs> and we had never been to South America and we'd heard good things about Colombia. So we went there and that was a great trip. It was really awesome. We definitely liked it and would go back. But yeah, it's mostly been Thailand. It's kind of our place. <laughs> yeah. Southeast Asia, yeah. Mm -hmm. And where where did you grow up? Like, if you said you lived overseas. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Singapore. We lived there for a couple of years. Oh. Yeah, and then we moved to Hong Kong, and I was there for five years, and then we moved to Seoul and lived there for two years. Wow. Yeah, it was great, great experience. Like Singapore and Hong Kong are kind of in my mind like on a similar path. Because they're, you know, they're like business, go, go, go. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very big met metropolitan cities with, yeah, big business. Yeah. And that's why we were there because my dad worked for a shipping company. And so uh, he, he was an expat for 25 years. He lived all over Asia. Yeah, that's how he met my mom. He met her in Taiwan, where she was from. And Aww. yeah, <laughs> so yeah, my, my brother was born in Tokyo. I mean, my older brother. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So you have dual citizenship? No, I actually don't. I wish I did. I know. I wish I did. <laughs> Why? Well, I guess because we were moving so much, they never, you know, applied. And I mean, I wonder, I should look in there, see if I can get Taiwan citizenship, maybe. You can. I can. From your mom, you can. Yeah. Oh, well, I have to look into that. <laughs> Yeah. I have friends who like third generation Italian or whatever, like their great or their grandfather or their great grandfather and they're getting citizenship. Wow. Oh my gosh. Cool. Have you been back to Taiwan or to the other countries? Yeah. Yes. We actually, I did a trip with my mom and her two sisters, my aunts in 2009. Yeah. We went back. We went to Taiwan to see her family. We went to Hong Kong. We went to Singapore. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was so cool to go back and see it, you know, as an adult, because I was just a kid back then. I, I didn't even really remember Singapore. I did remember Hong Kong and did remember Seoul, but it was just really cool to go back with my mom and kind of relive all those memories. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it was great. That's so cool. I totally envy your life right now. <laughs> I don't want to be sitting in my closet with my beautiful clothes. No, <laughs> no I love them. I love them. <laughs> I know. You're going to be there. I've been selling so much stuff. I sold like, even in the last like two, three days, I sold so much stuff. I've been going to the post office every day. <laughs> wow. Good. Yeah, that's great. So what happened? Gabe had a seizure. Yes. Yeah, so that was the big, big push that got us to, to do the move and to follow our dreams. It happened at the in Oct end of October in 2018. And it was interesting because we were on the path. We were planning to do the, 
you know, move overseas. In June, we had talked about it and we had planned for January of 2019. But of course, you know, a few months into it, I was kind of waffling like, oh, I don't know if we're ready. Like, is, you know, is it the right time? And I was kind of, <laughs> you know, the, all those questions and doubts come in and I was like, well, maybe let's push it to the spring. You know, I was, <laughs> I don't know, I was just doing that. And then, um, but then in October, out of the blue, Gabe had three grand mal seizures in one day. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was terrifying and like just the craziest experience. I mean, he's super fit, he's healthy. I mean, it just, completely out of the blue, never had anything like this before. And uh, yeah, it was just really eye opening. Well, do they know what happened? No, they don't know. We went to the ER, he got all the brain scan, CT scan, everything. Nothing came up. Yeah. And, and he hasn't had any since? Oh, uh, no, he's had some. Mm -hmm. He's had some. He hasn't had some for a year now, but he did last year have some. But yeah, so after we kind of recovered from that, about a month later, it was his birthday. And we were just like, you know what? Like, tomorrow is not guaranteed. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was a big wake up call. Like, so we just decided we have to make this happen. And like I said, that was his birthday. So the end of November and six weeks later, we were in Thailand. <laughs> what? Yeah, we were like, let's do it. And we just made it happen. So <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. Wow. I know it was a lot of work. But like I said, we had been preparing, we had been getting rid of stuff, we were living in small spaces. So we were it wasn't actually that difficult. It was it was pretty good. <laughs> But yeah, it was crazy. Is he on med medicine, medication for the seizures? Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. So we've been able to lower the dose quite a bit, but he is. Yeah. I'm sure you've tried to diagnose whether it's food related or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard with epilepsy. I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about it before. But it, it, it can be just totally random. I mean, of course, health, diet, and, you know, all this stuff is important. But, like, 50% of the time, they don't know what causes it. And it sounds like it was late stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So scary. I know. It is scary. And it's scary for the person, and it's scary for you. It's yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't remember any of it. Right. So for it, it, kind of for me, I'm like the one. Yeah, it's scarier for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I remember every single moment, you know, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, he hasn't had one. Um, in four days, it'll be a year. So oh, that's great. Yes. Well, and it could be stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm glad you guys are there. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's kind of the silver lining of it all was that it kind of was the push that got us here. And so, yeah. And so what do your parents say now? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I well, actually, my mom passed in 2011. Aw. Yeah. So 
but I know she's with me here. <laughs> but my dad, you know, my dad's actually been pretty supportive because, you know, like I said, he was an expat for 25 years. He knows what it's like. He knows why people love it. Right before we left, I think I remember him saying like, no, you guys, you really need to do this. It's so great. And I support you. So that was really, yeah, really sweet and really nice. <laughs> Aw, yeah, that's really sweet. What about like extended family and friends and his family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, everybody's pretty supportive. I mean, they know that we're kind of different. than, <laughs> So they know that they support our dream that, you know, we want to live a different lifestyle. And, you know, maybe they don't totally understand all the reasons why, but they know as long as we're happy here and safe that, you know, they're happy for us. So yeah, that's good. And then you come back and visit anyway. Yeah, we come back and visit. And I mean, gosh, today in today's age, we can zoom call, we can, you know, for free. I mean, it's just like, you can still keep in touch, you know, with super easily. So yeah. I just wanted to hit on like when you started your European trip after college, how was that? Oh yeah. I would say that that was, you know, kind of the, <laughs> the requisite backpacking trip through Europe after college, you know, that was, it was super fun. You know, of course I was in my early twenties and um, I had one of my girlfriends was uh, doing a study abroad in England. So we went to visit her and then from there we, we hit, I mean, it was crazy though. We hit like seven countries in 30 days. It was just like <laughs> the whirlwind, yeah, trip. Um, but of course it was so much fun and it was a great time. But, you know, after that, I was like, I don't think I want to do that kind of traveling anymore. That was just crazy. So then I would say then in 2003, in my last year of acupuncture school was when I went to China as well and did the three months there. And that was just so awesome. I mean, such a great, great experience. Yeah. And you, you went to Hangzhou because that's our, was our sister, sister school or whatever they're calling it. I don't know where we studied. Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, I loved Hangzhou. That was such a great place. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Such great memories. Yeah. So, and then after that, Actually, Gabe came with me to Hangzhou. And then after that, we had planned to do a little traveling. And we went to Thailand. That was our first time in Thailand. And we also went to Laos. So we got to do some traveling for a couple months. So Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you studied three months in Hangzhou or the whole trip was three months? Studied three months. Well, actually, it might have been, it was cut short by like two weeks. So maybe it was two and a half months. Because that was when SARS hit China back in 2003. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, the whole like clinic experience and everything got cut down. So we left a couple of weeks early and got to travel a little more. So, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I was really... I was really impressed by the different acupuncture techniques that we got to learn. Oh, yeah. I was shocked. Like, I don't know if you studied under this woman who like every single thing, she only treated the stomach and the stomach was a turtle. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. I do remember that. Right? And then the arms of the turtle. Yeah. Was she treated? Your arms and the and the legs. It was so weird. I know that was <laughs> that 
was amazing. Like, what are you doing? And then I, I don't know if you got to study under the guy who only treated the belly button. <gasps> no, I didn't. Oh my God, he treated the belly button? Oh. Yeah, only the belly button. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so weird for all of us because we were like, we're not supposed to ever needle in the belly button. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every single thing, the belly button. That's wild. Yeah. It was insane. It was the whole. Yes. It was very eye-opening, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It really was. But I feel like I learned certain things that I still use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm really amazing things that they were doing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the Hagu point is like, you know, it's different than what we were taught at school. So I use whatever the Chinese doctor taught me in China. That's how I find it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite memories is we I was studying under, I can't, I don't remember all their names. I have it written down somewhere, of course, but some guy who was like pretty well known and it was in the hospital because I got there with a cough. I got sick. My boy, my boyfriend at the time was sick before I left and I got sick on the plane and I coughed all the way there. And then once you get there, yeah, I was bad. And then once you get there with all the, the smog, it just got worse. I mean, I couldn't go to classes for the first week. It was so bad. I was in bed. But I went to this one guy and I and I was like, I want a treatment. And he was like, you can't handle a treatment from me. I was like, Psh, I'm an acupuncturist. I did it. But he's like one needle. And I'm like, okay, that needle hurts so flipping bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And the needles are like huge and they're, you know, they're wide and they're. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. <laughs> I know. Yes, that is what I remember. Like them needling people and people just screaming and crying in pain. And I'm just looking at them like, what are you doing? <laughs> like that would not fly in America. You cannot treat people like that. No. And and one of the one of the doctors did the where the kids are having like a they're hyperactive or they're having some kind of it's like a mental issue and you 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 needle I can't remember if it's here or here and you squeeze out a clear liquid and it hurts so bad and the kid was screaming but it but it works. Ba fang, ba fang. Yeah, and she came in every day for it and she's like crying and <laughs> like oh my god oh oh yeah ba fun yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh yeah i know these people are tough <laughs> they are yeah. so tough yeah but they truly believe in no pain no gain <laughs> right exactly so you added a little stuff under what made you become a minimalist or move toward minimalism yeah, there were a couple books. Um, the first one was A Reasonable Life by Ferenc Mate. He's from Eastern Europe, I believe, Hungary. And then he moved to the U.S. And then he just like, you know, saw the U.S. lifestyle and the society and how it's just capitalism and just everything to the excess. And he and so he wrote the book and it's just talking about moving towards a more simple and reasonable life like we don't need all these things you know and like the big cities you know they're great for certain things but 
you know, you don't have connection with people like you would in like a village where it's a smaller, you know, population and you can really get to know people. And, you know, just the simple kind of farm life, you know, being self-sustainable, growing your own food, you know, all these things that kind of now today are kind of more and more, I don't know, accepted or trending or whatever you want to call it. But this book came out 20 years ago. And so that was kind of like the beginning. Yeah. So when I read it, these ideas were kind of just, I think, forming in America. So and with people. So. It was really, but it somehow just deeply resonated with me that, yeah, that was the kind of life that I wanted to live. You know, I didn't want to have a huge house and, you know, three cars and all this stuff, but, you know, not have connection with people and not all those things. So that book definitely changed my life. And then the book, Your Money or Your Life, that was another (laughs) life-changing book that kind of came out good title. Yeah, I know. It kind of came out, I think around the same time. Yeah, it just talks about like, do you really want to be working your whole entire life for what? I mean, like, of course, you know, you if there's certain things you want, you, you know, you work hard for you get them, that's great. But in terms of thinking about it, like your life's energy, is this what you want to be spending? Like, if you want to buy a $100 shirt and let's say you make $20 an hour like is that shirt worth five hours of your life (laughs) you know (laughs) like I mean just just a different way of thinking and um, right yeah so that just really opened up my eyes did I really want to be working for the rest of my life for stuff that I really didn't care or need need (laughs) so yeah so those two books really started me on that path towards just minimalism and just living with less but actually being happier (laughs) yeah yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. then we started kind of following the uh you know the tiny house movement started coming around And, you know, that fits obviously perfectly with minimalism and everything. And so, yeah, so we were like, oh, that's super cool. And we wanted to live in a tiny house. And it was really interesting because we had been following it for a couple of years and we really wanted to do it. And we were renting a house in Napa at the time. You know, it was just a reasonable three bedroom. We only had one bathroom, one bathroom house. And we were renting it. And then we there was a shed in the on the side of the house. And I don't know how, but one day we just kind of looked at it and we're like, wait, this shed could be our tiny house. And (laughs) so we asked the landlord, we're like, hey, can we fix that up? And he was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So we fixed it up. We, you know, we painted the walls, we put flooring in, we built the furniture for it. Well, Dave built the furniture for it. And we moved into there and we rented out the big house. And yeah, and that was, I mean, that was what actually what enabled us to save the money to buy our land in New Mexico, because I mean, then we were paying $300 a month for rent instead of 1600, you know, I mean, it was like, whoa, (laughs) wow, like, why didn't we think of this sooner? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And it was, yeah, it was great because we kind of got to like try it out, you know, because it was the shed in our. Wow, that's cool. That's so cool. 
we were renting the house. So if we didn't like it, we could just move back into the big house. So it was a really like safe option too, but we ended up loving it, of course. And how long did you live there? We lived there, I think for about two years. Nice. And did you build like a kitchen and a bathroom? Yeah, we had a little kitchenette mm -hmm, and a little um, composting toilet. Yeah. We didn't have a shower. We would use the shower in the big house. But other than that, we had pretty much everything. That's so cool. I know. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I fell in love with the tiny house movement probably 10 years ago ish. And yeah, mm -hmm. I. I mean, I have bought books. I just gave my books away, actually. I started going to meetup groups. can't actually have a tiny home anywhere in California. It's illegal. I found ones that I could probably afford. I mean, on and on and on. And I told my mom and she started crying. <laughs> what? She started crying? Why? It's a different generation and she doesn't understand it. She lives in the house, still lives in the house I grew up in. Oh. Yeah. So what, so I guess, you know, because the one of the questions is, what would you tell other people to aspire to? But on all three things, following your dreams, minimalism, and traveling. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> for following your dreams, let's see. What would I tell people? I heard this quote. I was listening to a, another podcast right before we left to Thailand. This guy, his name's Johnny FD. He's, a, he's an American. He's Taiwanese-American, but he's from San Francisco. And but he's been traveling as a digital nomad for over 10 years now. And he's pretty well known in the digital nomad world. Anyway, he was interviewing a guy and I wish I could remember the guy's name, but the guy said, don't be afraid to give up the good for the great. And that just like hit me. It just resonated so deeply with me. Like, because you know, the life I had in Napa was good. I mean, I had a successful practice. I had family and friends. I mean, Napa is a beautiful place. Everybody, when I tell them, oh, we live in Napa, they're like, oh my gosh, wish we could live in Napa. And I realized that, you know, all of that was good. But, you know, there was just something in Gabe and I that was missing, you know, and it was I think it was just the adventure piece and, you know, not being stuck in the rat race and all that. I mean, all the stuff that you need to do to live in the Bay Area, you know, people might have thought, like, why would they leave all of that? But we were giving up the good, but for the great, you know, for us to feel like truly happy and alive, we had to do that. I love that. I know. I thought that was such a great quote when I heard of that guy. The other thing is just that, you know, the reward of making your dream come true, it really far outweighs like the struggles that you have to get there. You know, I mean, of course, there's going to be challenges and struggles and, you know, moving to a new country or whatever your dream is, it's, there's going to be, you know, challenges, but living your dream and making it come true. It's just so worth it. Like once you're doing it, you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and if it's not like, let's say you have a dream and you go and you do it and you, for some reason decide like, Oh shoot, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And you don't like it. 
well, then you can just always go back. You know, you're not like stuck there, hopefully, but yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, well, COVID, you might get stuck somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, right. But a lot of people say once you leave California, you can't afford to go back. Yeah, it is a saying. Yeah, I've heard that. And it, uh, that's probably true. Yeah. But I mean, we knew that and we knew, you know, luckily we have our land in New Mexico. And, you know, if we ever you know, decide to move back to the States, we would move to our land in New Mexico. So yeah, we knew that ahead of time that we weren't going to be coming back to California. And why did you choose New Mexico? Oh, um, because Gabe's family is there now. Oh. Actually, he was born in New Mexico. Uh, yeah. And he lived there for the first few years of his life. And then they moved back to San Francisco where his mom was born and raised. But when he was in high school, they moved back to New Mexico. So his mom's been there for a long time now. And then his sister ended up moving out there as well, her and her family. So we just wanted to be closer to the family. And also, I mean, New Mexico is so much more affordable. You know, I mean, again, going back to living kind of a self-sustainable life, you can't afford land in Napa or... (laughs) anywhere in the Bay Area. I mean, we'd have to be millionaires, right? I mean, (laughs) multimillionaires. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, multimillionaires. So it was like New Mexico, we actually got a little over 13 acres of land for $20,000. Oh my. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Yes, I know. It's crazy. I mean, it's raw land. It has nothing on it, but it's a steal. (laughs) So where do you stay when you go there? Well, when we were first visiting it, we were just camping on our land. Wow. Yeah. And we have a really funny story about that because the first time we camped on the land, like the first or second night we were there, I had like kind of gone to bed or I was reading in the tent and Gabe was outside, sitting outside. And he was like, ah, and then he came into the tent and he was like, oh, babe, um, I think there's some cops on the street and they're looking for us. Our land is up on a hill. And I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? You know, and he's like, there's like cars going back and forth shining their flashlights like the cop cars shining flashlights on our hill and I was like oh my god what's going on Uh, anyway but they didn't come up our driveway our driveway's uh, like a quarter of a mile long and uh, so we went to bed and then the next morning at like I don't know 7 a.m we heard a car coming up the driveway and then it was a policeman he's like hello um police here and we're like whoa what's going on And they had been called by some of our neighbors because they had seen our like lights and stuff at night. And they knew that no one lived there. They didn't know we had bought the land. And so they had called the cops on us (laughs) to check it out, you know? That's funny. Yeah. So we talked with the cop. It was, he was totally fine. We showed him, you know, the papers and everything. Somehow they called back to the neighbors and they said, oh, those are your new neighbors. You should go say hi. (laughs) <laughs> and they did. Yeah, they came up like a couple hours later and they're like, oh, we're your new neighbors. We're the ones who called the cops on you. Sorry. You know, like they were. Well, right. But then it makes you feel better because if you're not there and somebody else goes there. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Exactly. That's what we told them. We're like, no, we're glad you're like watching our land and keeping it safe. <laughs> yeah. 
they were great. They were really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were just camping, camping on it. And then um, this summer, we actually built a tiny house on it. Ah! Yeah. We, uh, our family member, our brother-in-law's brother, my Gabe's sister's husband's brother, gave us a trailer. <laughs> Aww. And yeah, and um, so we actually built a tiny house on it. It's not completely done, but we got most of it done. So we were living in that while we were building it. So yeah. You were living in the trailer while, while you were building the tiny house? Well, well, the first couple months we lived in a tent until we had everything, you know, the walls and the roof and everything set up. And then um, then we moved into it. Yeah. So that was a great um, learning experience, you know. <laughs> wow. Building it from scratch. Like you didn't buy an, a prefab tiny house. You're just like. No, no. Built it from scratch. Yeah. From the ground up. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gabe, of course, did most of the work. <laughs> a lot of, lot of YouTube videos or what? Like. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of YouTube videos, definitely. Yeah. And um, I mean, he did like woodworking when he was a kid, and he was actually really good at it. So, you know, he kind of has that mind and he has the basics. But yeah, he watched YouTube videos and he was like, I can do that. And I'm like, really? That's great. How fun. I know. Wow. I just saw a tiny house that like folds up into a box. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. And then you, you drive it to wherever you want and then you like unfold it. And then Ikea is selling tiny houses now. Oh my gosh. That's cool. And what was the name of that podcast that you said that quote came from? I wanted to look that up. Oh yeah. Johnny FD podcast, I believe is called Travel Like a Boss. <laughs> so where can people find you on Instagram? Herbal Nomad Life, yeah, is my new Instagram that is, you know, going to be following my adventures here in Cambodia. Maybe some herbal tips along the way as well. <laughs> and are you still practicing herbal medicine? Not a whole lot, but I am. I have some plans to maybe come out with some kind of uh, natural remedies, either like teas or um, like health products, you know, kind of formulating those now. So yeah, something just a new project working on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are licensed herbalists, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why not? And there's a lot of cool herbs here that they, that are kind of new to me. So I'm kind of learning about those. And yeah, I think, you know, I mean, Chinese herbs, there's, you know, obviously they use a lot of similar herbs, but there are some that are kind of unique to this area. So I kind of maybe was thinking about sharing those with people. So yeah, I think that's a good idea. If you could give your 10 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I think I would say, try to remember or remain true to yourself, you know, because of course, like we talked about, you know, I got swayed a bit here and there from family pressure and society pressure and all the, the shoulds that we should be doing. And I mean, I know everything happens for a reason and in perfect timing. And, you know, I'm happy with the way things have turned out. But if I could have done it a little sooner, maybe that would have been nice, you know, but of course, I had to 
learn it in my own time. But, um, you know, just try to remember to stay true to what brings you happiness and you know what your dreams are and to kind of stay focused with those. One last quote that I really enjoyed was like, don't should all over yourself. <laughs> You know, yeah, I was like, you know, I got caught up kind of in the shoulds, like, and but thankfully, I have let most of those go and, you know, work in progress. But um, yeah, so just remembering to stay true to yourself, I think, is probably my message to my younger self. <laughs> yeah, well, you are doing it. Like, you're, you know, you're living the dream. So, yeah, very happy. So. I was going to say you get to watch the American politics from afar. So that must be nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is very nice. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I did. I have told people like we came here. It was literally like a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders. Like just everything, you know, with COVID and politics and just everything in the States right now. It's just so hard. And I feel for everyone there, but it's like, it's so nice to be here and just kind of be away from that all. Like, <laughs> life is like normal here. It's like, oh. Yep, I know. So where else? So, oh, so you have your email and your Instagram and then maybe you'll start a YouTube channel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, people really like to see what, like, especially where what expats are doing and how you're living. And, you know, that's a desirable place because it's affordable. I think so. Yeah, we've definitely been thinking and talking about that. So that's so awesome. I can't wait to see it. And thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated. You can find me and more information about AUA on anunknownadventure.com. I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at an unknown adventure. And whether you do or don't, following me there would light up my entire week. So remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, 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 uh.